0: We're going to talk about patience today. Uh, 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 uh. Raise your hand if you think the person beside you needs more patience. Go ahead and raise your hand if you think the person beside you needs more patience. (laughs) See, you thought I was going to do that different. Some of you guys shot your hand up and was like, oh man, I'm stuck now. I'm stuck. I can't bring it down. She saw me. Patience. I'm going to tell you why you don't need patience. This Sunday. Why you don't, you don't need, you're praying for the wrong thing. We don't need patience. John chapter 11, starting in verse one. Now this is a, this is another pretty famous story in scripture. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, And I think it's. I think it's perfect to illustrate what we're going to talk about today. We'll start in verse 1. We're going to read a good bit. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. Jesus has history with this family. They're close. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 again, because they don't make sense. Listen. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, that's good. We established that. He loved them. They were close. He loved them. His heart went out to him. But verse 6 explains the exact opposite of what it seems like somebody that would love you while you were sick would do, right? So now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Just hang out of here. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews just now were just now seeking to stone you, and you are going there again. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to wake him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. Can you imagine hearing him say that? For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go that we may die with it. (laughs) Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you've been here, can imagine that conversation, Lord, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in a place, in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly to go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, now this is the second time you've heard these words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying three times? If you'd have been here, if you'd have been here, you could have kept him from dying. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord by this time there'll be an odor for he's been dead four days and Jesus said to her did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said father I thank you that you heard me I knew that you always hear me but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me and when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come out The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Father, we thank you this morning, God. Or teach us today. Teach us that your plan is perfect for our lives. Teach us that your will is perfect. God, that we can trust you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. This is, um, I've preached from this story a good bit. I love this story. I love it because oftentimes, when God communicates to us, we have no idea what he's talking about. Now, just picture yourself being in the scenario. You're one of the disciples. You're sitting around Jesus. Somebody comes to you and says, Hey, your friend that you love, Lazarus, is real sick. Jesus looks around and says, Hey, uh, I really love that guy. And then he does nothing. He sits around for two days. And he he says, well, this will not end in death. So the next recorded thing that he says to the disciples, the next significant thing he says is, um, hey, let's go to him. He's asleep. And the disciples remind him that the last time he was in that area, they tried to stone him to death. They're pretty confident that if he goes back, it's not going to be good. You know, oftentimes when bad things happen to us, we don't want to return to that same place. So they argue with him a little bit and they say, Hey, Jesus, in case you forgot, as if God could, in case you forgot the last time we were there, they tried to stone you. And then Jesus does this well, hey, if you walk in the day, you got the light. If you walk in the night, you don't have the light. The light's not in you. And I'm sure they went, Oh, yeah. That makes sense. We should go there during the day and let them stone you. <laughs> Got it. Got it. During the day. If we walk there in the day, then they can see us. Makes perfect sense. So they argue with him a little bit. He says, hey, he's, he, he's, uh, he's sleeping. We need to go wake him up. And, he, and they're like, well, if he's sleeping, he wake himself up. I don't, I don't know why we need to take the risk. And then Jesus starts to speak plainly to him. Now he's dead. And can you imagine him starting out this whole ordeal saying this is not going to end in death and then, and then have him say he's dead and, and for your sake I'm glad that it happened this way. It seems so strange. And I'm sure they were kind of bouncing around not being able to figure out what was going on. And so then Thomas speaks up and says, hey listen, if you're going to go, we'll all go with you. And so Thomas is saying, we're loyal to you, we'll do it. If you're going to go there and they're going to take a risk of stone and you will go, we'll all die. Sounds like, sounds like a really depressing journey, doesn't it? Where are you guys going today? Well, we're going to a funeral and then we'll probably get killed. <laughs> Just another day in the life following the Lord Jesus. Best rabbi to walk the earth. What are you guys doing today? Well, following Jesus down, we're going to go to Lazarus' funeral. and we're all going to die. Hmm. Jesus, Jesus shows up on the scene. He's kind of standing out a couple miles. He stops a couple miles out. Somebody comes and tells Martha that he's out there. She runs out to him. first thing she says to him is, If you'd have been here. If you'd have been here. You know, we have a timeline, don't we? We have a timeline. Um, maybe, maybe your job has set you on a timeline. Maybe your wife has set you on a timeline. Maybe your husband has set you on a timeline. Maybe your doctor has given you a timeline. What I have found out in increasing measure the longer I live is that God does not operate by any of those. No matter who gave it. He, He has set his perfect will in motion. And the restrictions on time that I place on him don't affect him. God does not get anxious when I say, listen, this bill needs paid by next Friday. God doesn't go, oh man, I didn't know it was that soon. He doesn't get nervous about it. He doesn't get anxious. He doesn't doesn't freak out when you say, the doctor told me I had six weeks. He doesn't go, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. So we get these arbitrary timelines, and our timelines are based on this. Watch, Watch how it works. We have... This extremely limited amount of knowledge. I want you to think about in all of human history how much time we take up in the scope of human history. It's short. The Bible calls it, we're like a vapor. We're like a... When you think about how long people have been roaming the earth, we take up 75, 80, maybe if you're lucky 120 years. That's not lucky. Maybe 110 so what we do is we start setting timelines for God based on what we know. What we know is extremely limited, but nonetheless, we, we believe it's important. The difference is God knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. It's how you get the right revelations. I already know how it's going to work out. I've set it in motion how it works out. Job said no plan of his can be thwarted. You can't mess With God's plans. God does not wake up in the morning. He doesn't sleep. But if he did. He doesn't wake up in the morning and go. Man Chris screwed up my plans for today. It's never happened. He set it in motion. So what you find out is. God's timeline. Is based on the infinite knowledge. Of all the past. And all the future. So his will is working out. Perfectly. According to that timeline. Not mine. So, what happens is with my limited knowledge, I don't know all the things God's working out. Because here's the truth of the matter: your timeline messes with my timeline. Isn't that the truth? If you'd hurry up, my timeline would work out better. Don't we say that all the time? That's why we need patience with people. So so we need patience with our kids. It's so funny. One of the weird things I'm impatient about is getting out of the car. <laughs> I don't understand. We all get in the car at the same time. My, all my kids are at the house. We all get in the car at the same time. My oldest daughter's back from college. We're, all getting the, we're going somewhere. We all get in the car at the same time. We all get in the car at the same time. We get in the car. We all know where we're going. We've talked about it as a family. Before, that's why We got in the car. We don't tell the kids, hey, get in the car. We'll let you know. <laughs> They're old enough to know where we're going. So we all agree we're going to this place. So when we pull up to that place, I want to get out of the car and get to that place. So what I do, I put it in park, bang, hop out of the door. But the problem with modern day cars is you got to lock it with the button so I'm standing I'm just I'm looking at everybody like get out of the car so if you ever see me at Target and I'm standing beside the car and I'm going get out of the car it's because one of my kids is sitting there shocked that we're where we said we were going and they're like what we're here it's been five minutes I'm waiting to lock the door so I need patience with people Because they're messing my timeline up Messing my timeline up I was, I, I was trying to figure out how many people I was going to offend this morning when I said this But it's impossible to know, so here we go um, We had negotiated at the beginning uh, of first service I, I wanted to play that video at the opener, I thought, "Man, this will be a powerful opener. Everything like, wah, look at surf, and then boom, right into the first worship song. Be a great moment." And somebody looked at me like, "Dude, nobody's here when you when you, for the first song. Nobody's here. You're gonna have to give them to the third song because they're not here." And I'm like, "These people are messing up my timeline." They don't understand that it could be this powerful moment that like, we serve. now we're going to worship. No, we've got to play it in an awkward time later on because you're messing up my timeline. <laughs> so, so the issue is we assign timelines to God that he's not bound to. And he's not bound to them and then because he doesn't meet our timeline we get frustrated with him when he was never bound to our timeline. Just because we say, God, by this date, I need you to do this doesn't mean anything, really. It means that I've set an arbitrary date for God to act on a certain thing. And so I'm expecting him to do a certain thing when he knows the beginning from the end and knows actually what's better for me. That's why he looks at the disciples and says, I'm glad it worked out this way. Boy, those are hard words to hear, aren't they? I'm actually glad it worked out this way. Wait a second. Did you just say you're glad you waited and he died? I'm glad it worked out this way. You want to tell me what you mean by that? You want to tell me how me walking through this difficult time because it didn't seem like you showed up at the right? You want to tell me how that benefits me? And so we have this argument with God back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You relate, you relate, you relate, you relate. And so then what happens in our modern day church time, we we pray for patience. But we don't pray for patience with people, we pray for patience with God. The issue is, is God doesn't need you to have patience with Him. That's ridiculous. Because we have to have patience with people because they're underperforming. Think about it. You don't ever look at somebody who shows up to work every day on time, never causes trouble, always is reliable. You never say, man, I have to have patience with him being so good. Wow. It's unbelievable. They're so good. I got to be really patient with these people. No, no, no. We always need to have patience with people who are underperforming. Like kids who won't get out of the car. Like I'm getting ready to drag all of y'all out of the car here in just a second. Got their headphones in and their phones And they don't even know what's going on I'm like get out of the car (laughs) Lord give me patience So I don't look like an idiot here in Target Target, Hopefully nobody knows who I am Just yelling at my kids Get out of the car Get out of the car If there's a God in heaven Get out of the car I have to have patience with people Sometimes we pray for patience because we don't understand God's timeline. And I don't think that's a good prayer to pray. I don't need patience with God because he's not underperforming. I don't need patience with God. So so we set up these kind of arbitrary timelines. If you'd have been here. If you'd have been here. God, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't be in this difficult situation. God, if you'd have been here, that wouldn't have happened. If you'd have been here, my marriage wouldn't have split. If you'd have been here, uh, my finances would be better. If you'd have been here... So God says, so so we, so then we start assigning Well, God is underperforming. So I need to be patient, but it's really not the case at all. God, God's not underperforming at all. Matter of fact, it looks like the whole thing was planned. See, that's the part that we have trouble wrapping our head around. It looks like Jesus planned to stay there two more days. I just, I'm just going to hang out for two more days. That's, um, how do you respond to a good friend being sick? I'm going to wait. For what? Lord, what are you waiting on? How many times have we asked him that? Lord, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on, God? And what we find out is the worst thing that could happen is not really the worst thing that could happen. Watch this. Martha says something to him that's very important and, and very revealing about what she was thinking. When he shows up a couple miles outside of where they're having, uh, of where Lazarus is buried, she instantly comes to him and says, "This if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died." But she follows it up with, "But I know the father will do anything. Did you ask?" See, I don't think the worst thing that could happen is actually the worst thing that could happen, because the worst thing that happened did happen. But what could have made it worse? is for Martha and Mary and everybody else around there to throw their hands up and say, there's no hope now. It's over. We tried to have patience with God, but He didn't help. We tried to wait on Him, but He didn't do anything. It's over. We're all by ourselves now. Let's just mourn Lazarus. Let's just keep walking. Let's just keep going. It's all over. No, no, no. The worst thing that could happen is actually after the bad thing happens, us give up on God. And the beauty about this is Martha is saying, hey, listen, I wish you'd have been here. But even though you weren't, I believe that you're here now. Oh, man, that's so important, church. That's so important. I'm not I'm not having patience with God. I'm trusting him. So whenever he shows up. Come on. Whenever he shows up, what's the worst thing that happened? What's the Okay, that happened. It's bad. But that's not the worst thing that could happen because God's still showing up. And so I'm not left alone. I'm not forsaken. I'm not lost. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So I know the timeline doesn't seem to be working out the way you want it to work out. But guess what? I'm still coming. I'm still showing up. So the worst thing that could happen isn't the worst thing that could happen. Lord, you still showed up. Yeah, my brother's been dead four days, but you're here now. I'm going to preface this next statement with this: the Bible talks a lot about, especially in the Old Testament, waiting on God. There's a lot of psalms talking about waiting on, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. I, I want us. It does say that, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. Like waiting on the Lord, like I'm waiting on my kids to get out of the car, like. All right, God, any day now, any day now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on, Lord. Getting close, getting close. Any day now, any day now. That's not waiting like we need to wait on God. I I would propose to you this. You're not waiting on God. Like when you wait on God, it... It's like we could have been there already if it wasn't for God. I'm just waiting on Him to get around here. I'm just waiting on Him to get to me. His schedule's pretty full today. I'm just waiting on God to do I'm waiting. I'm waiting. As if, as if the thing could have worked out better. We got to be careful how we use this service. Well, what's going on? Well, I'm just waiting on God. Waiting for what? Waiting on Him to do something. I mean, my life's terrible. Just waiting on God. Just waiting. Waiting. If he showed up, none of this would ever happen. I'm still waiting. Waiting on him to fix something. It's like the plumber. He told me he'd be here between 12 and 12 the next day. <laughs> I had a guy tell me just a couple weeks ago, they'll be there between one and five. I'm like, bro, I don't know about you, but I can't take four hours off in a day to sit around and wait on you. Here's my cell phone number. Call me when you're 30 minutes out between one and five. No, 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 it's fine. I'll just go home and sit. Got nothing else to do between one and five. You mean in the middle of the day? But that's how we think about God. Well, I'm waiting on him to show up. Do you realize God is not slow like we? Peter writes this. God is not slow to keep his promises like we think he is. He's not just back with his arms crossed in the recliner going, I would get up today, but yesterday was tough. He's not. Matter of fact, what it says is that God is patient with us. Now that means something totally different. That means something totally different. Because we are the ones with the problem, not God. And so when it seems like God's slow, Peter says he's actually being patient with us. Because we want him to hurry up on some things and be really slow on others. Like judgment. Right? Hurry up, but not with that. Hurry up and fix what I want you to fix, but don't fix the thing that I don't want you to touch. <laughs> I want you to heal me, but I don't want you to change my mentality. I want you to heal me, but I don't want you to f- fix this sin. I want you to heal me, but I don't want you to do this. And so we get this conflicting thing. And while, and while we think we need patience to wait on God, God is actually being slow and patient with us. Because we're the ones that don't show up on time. So what happens here is we find out that we're not waiting on God. That his plan is being carried out exactly like he intended it to be. I thought you'd say amen about that. Because when we wait, we typically do nothing. Nothing. Who, who gets a phone call that says, hey, we'll be there between 1 and 5? That's fine. That's that's just enough time for me to swap engines in my car. I was planning on being around anyway. No, no, no. We start to panic because we're not, waiting means doing nothing. And that's not the biblical description of waiting. The biblical description of waiting is that God's will is being carried out. And I'm going to trust him in the middle of it being carried out. And I'm going to continue to do what he's called me to do. Now, this is the important part. I'm going to continue to do what he's called me to do while it seems like I'm waiting for him to act. So I'm not going to sit and be anxious about things. I'm going to keep carrying on what he's called me to do while he's doing what he does. And so if you want to call it waiting, that's fine. But it doesn't seem like waiting to me. It seems like moving forward. So I don't need to have patience with God. I need to have trust. Lord, I don't need to be patient with you. You haven't done anything wrong. You get out of the car. When I get out of the car, it's awesome. You, 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 you're, 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 the only thing you're slow at with me is anger. You don't need to be patient for that. You can be thankful for it. So God... In light of you moving on my behalf, even when I don't understand it, even when it doesn't line up with my timeline, even when I tempted to say you're late, help me to trust you. That your will is the best for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not out to harm you. He says in Jeremiah, I'm not to harm you, but I'm out to prosper you and give you a future. Lord, I know it doesn't seem like it right now because Lazarus is dead. I'm still here. I showed up. I showed up. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, but if you'd have been here, trust me. Then Mary, Lord, if you'd have been here, trust me. All the people around, if you'd have been here, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. I don't need to have patience with God. I need trust in Him. I don't need to be patient. I need to be trusting. It's not about that. Now, let me say this. What what happens a lot of times in our lives is when God doesn't act, we feel the necessity to act. Come on, I'm not the only one in the buildings ever done that. Please help me. So you've been... You've been waiting on the Lord to do something. You're getting frustrated. You're getting anxious. You're getting scared. He's not going to show up. You're just, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's not going to happen. 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 So what do we do? All right. I'm going to make something happen. There's a story uh, about the first king of Israel. We read about it last week, about David and Goliath and how Saul Uh, was terrified and the whole army was terrified all that stuff before all that happened one of Saul's early battles he um he'd been given instruction of the prophet Samuel to wait seven days I need to give you a little preface of this early on the Philistines were mortal enemies I mean they were fighting the whole time so Samuel's son Jonathan had went and defeated a little garrison and um and really woke up the sleeping giant is what happened. So Samuel takes his troops out. And what happens is all the Philistine troops come out. Now the, the way they describe it is they were numerous as the sands on the seashore. Just a few guys. So what happens is Saul is waiting, waiting on Samuel. Waiting on the Lord. Sam is a represent, representation of God. And so Samuel said, wait seven days and I'll come and make the sacrifice. Now God is for Israel. God, God, God has put his blessing on, on Saul. He's put his blessing on Saul through Sam. He's for them fighting this battle. So what happens is this. One day goes by. Where's a lot of dudes out there? Two days goes by. Now his Now his military guys are starting to freak out three days, four days. People are starting to leave. They're going to AWOL. They're starting to disperse. They're starting to hide. They're starting to realize we ain't got no chance. And and Saul's getting more nervous and more nervous and more nervous and more nervous and more anxious. And oh my goodness, is he going to show up on time? Is he going to show up on time? Is he going to show up on time? The seventh day comes and he doesn't see Samuel. And a whole pile, the majority of his military, has dispersed in fear. He doesn't see Samuel. So you know what Saul does? Saul says, get the burnt offering ready. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. I can picture it. It's like when they throw the match on the fire. He looks back and he sees Samuel. And Samuel says, I thought I told you to wait. That wasn't what you thought it was. <laughs> Just trying to keep warm. <laughs> How many times have you been waiting on God to do something and you got so anxious that you went out and acted on something that ended up being silly only to turn around and see that God was moving on your behalf the whole time? I hate that. <laughs> I hate that. I hate getting so worked up, so worked up, so worked up. We're like, we got to do something, we got to do something. And then, and then realize, holy cow. He was doing it the whole time. And I was so anxious I couldn't see it. He was coming to me the whole time. And if I'd have just trusted him to be here. What you see in that story with Samuel and Saul is that that God now is displeased with Saul and says, I'm raising somebody else up. It's because you couldn't trust me. Not because you couldn't be patient. You see, patient is just waiting somebody else's uh, incapability to get the job. I've just got to be patient with him. No, no, no. He's not talking about Saul being patient with him. He's saying, you couldn't trust me to take care of you. So we get worked up and we get worked up and we get worked up. And when when God finally does show up, we go, you should have been here earlier. You should have already been here. You should have taken care of this before it happened. And then you find out that in the whole scheme of things, God's saying, hey, listen, the reason I showed up when I did, because it's the perfect time to show you what I'm getting ready to show you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome that when God shows up, he's like, hey, hey, I know you wanted me here earlier, but this is the perfect time for me to show you what I'm going to show you. And what I find out in my life is every time I get anxious, every time I get overwhelmed, every time I think, God, you got to hurry up. He shows up and then I realize, geez, that was perfect. Are you kidding me? I started thinking about Friday in the school and thinking about, I thought, what are the odds? And then it hit me. What are the odds that we could plan we could plan to bring food and, and gift bags and all this stuff and smiling faces and hello neighbor shirts. And all these kids were in there serving teachers for once. And um, I thought, what are the odds of that working out? And then it hit me. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's the odds. What's the odds of God showing up in your life at the exact time you need him to show up to make sure that the exact time when he rescues you and you go, I can't believe what are the odds of that happening? 100%. Every single time. What are the odds of Jesus showing up four days after Lazarus stinks in the grave and him raising him from the dead? 100%. You know what? As a church, we should, we should be walking around not anxious, about like, I knew that was going to happen. That should be our new motto. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. When has he ever left us or forsaken us? I'm not waiting on God anymore. I'm just watching for it. I'm not being patient with God. I'm trusting him that he's going to do everything he said he was going to do. He's not slow in keeping his promises, as some would think. I know he's going to do it. I know he's going to show up at the right time. Even if I don't understand it. Even if I don't see how he's working it out right now. I know that he's going to show up at the perfect time. He's going to be fashionably late. We get so worked up over what seems to be God not acting. Only to realize he's been orchestrating the whole thing. Romans 5 verse 3 or 4 I've read this to you a lot We also glory Paul says in our sufferings Because we know suffering produces perseverance Perseverance character and character hope There's something something that it produces in us In those difficult times But you know what You can't hope in something that you don't trust You don't say well I'm having patience with the Lord I'm waiting on the Lord to get his act together And now I'm hoping No 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 We say I hope in him And that's why I'm not fearful that 's why i 'm not anxious that's why that 's why I can be that 's why I can be uh, where I am right now with the attitude I have right now because I trust in the Lord so when the feeling comes, you have to take that thought captive you have to take that thought captive. So instead of saying, look, if you'd have done this, this wouldn't happen. Take that thought captive. That's where the battle starts. No, 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 no. God's working his perfect will out in my life. I can trust him. I can trust him. Boy, this sure does look crazy. Yep, I can trust him. Boy, this sure does. Let me tell you what crazy looks like. Now they didn't, this wasn't in the day of megaphones and microphones. At it, it, it Lazarus' funeral, at the wake they were doing, everybody came down. There wasn't any speaker set up and everybody was like, Everybody, I want to just make an announcement. Jesus is here now. If you could welcome him. He'll be coming in here on my left, your right, and uh, he'll be entering into the party. And I think, I think the next thing we're going to do today is Jesus is going to roll the stone back and uh, he's just going to, Lazarus is just going to walk out. So if you, you know, keep the kids a safe distance away from the tomb. It's going to smell a little bad. It's going to be a great service today. Thank you for participating. Chicken will be served right afterwards in the fellowship hall. And, um, it's going to be a great service. I want you to think about this. Other people are going to look at your life, you trusting God, and it's going to look crazy. He showed up too late to everyone thought that then when he's there it doesn't seem like he's doing it, it seems like he's doing something crazy now watch so he tells he tells them he's not on a megaphone going hey roll the stone back I'm gonna see a healing no 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 he says hey roll the stone back what do they what does she say Lord it's um it's been four days he stinks now you see, the amazing thing is we still don't trust him. We still don't. Even when he shows up sometimes, you don't trust him. He says, no, trust me. He says, roll a stone away, he stinks. Can you imagine everybody standing around? You know, you're having a conversation over here with a guy you hadn't seen since high school. Can you believe Lazarus, man? He's a good guy, he died. Yeah, he's been in the tomb about four days. We're down here. We've just been having a good time. I heard they were having chicken after this. Um, <laughs> It's going to be a good, it's going to be a good day. Good guy. Good guy. Hey, I heard Jesus is here. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, dude, what are they doing? They're rolling the stone away. He's been dead four days. Get the kids back. Are you kidding me? What are they doing? That's going to smell terrible. That's going to be off. Why are they doing that? Why is he doing that? Why would he roll the stone away? Sometimes, sometimes we have to trust God in the season that makes no sense whatsoever, and you got to a, put a closed pit on your nose because what you're getting ready to do stinks. It's not patience with God; it's trust. I have patience for people that underperform, but God calls me to do something that doesn't make any sense. He's steering my life in a direction that doesn't make any sense, and what do I have to do, Lord, I trust you. It doesn't smell good right now, but I trust you. And your friends and family are looking at you like, what are you doing? I'm trusting him. I'm not being patient. I'm not waiting. I'm trusting. All right, we'll roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. And they roll the stone away. And then he performs one of the most unbelievable miracles in all of Scripture. He looks up at the Father and he says, I know you hear me. You always hear me. But I'm saying this for their sake. Thank you. Lazarus, come out. And a man who had been dead four days stands up and walks out of the tomb. And the guys over here are going, Bro, are we still having chicken? Are are we still? God, forgive me for saying you should have been here before. Forgive me for saying you should have been here before. Because listen, Some things God can only teach us on the back end. Sometimes God can only teach you what forgiveness looks like after you fought with your wife so much you don't know if you can forgive her. Sometimes God can only, sometimes God just... Just seems like he's waiting, but he's working out his will in your life in a sense that you'll be more forgiving, more loving, more kind, more patient with people, and more trusting of him in a way that you can only experience after showing up to the funeral and seeing him do a miracle. You can't, you can't realize how good he is until you realize how good he is. So I want to encourage you this morning. I know you've got a timeline set. If you're like me, you got one set, man. It's in stone. God, you have to by this date. And I want you to today just to lift your hands up and say, Lord, I'm scratching the date. I'm going with yours. And if you don't tell me, I'm fine with that. If you don't tell me when the date is, I'm fine with it because I know you're going to show up. And if, and if you show up after something bad's happened, I know you're still going to show up. I know you're still going to be who you say you are. I know you're still working your will out in my life, and I know I'm going to make it. I know I can trust you. I know I can trust you. So God, I'm working on your schedule now. I'm going to let you run the show. And while you're doing what you're doing, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to just keep serving. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep doing what you've called me to do. And your will is going to be perfect in my life. It's going to work itself out. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Stand to your feet this morning. Father, we thank you for every minute that we don't understand, every minute that we feel anxious, every minute, God, that we that we're, seems like we're waiting on you to do something, we can actually turn that and trust you. We pray that we take those negative thoughts captive, that you're late, that you're, that you're not for us, that you're not with us, that you don't care about us. I pray that we take that thought captive and replace it with you are constantly moving on our behalf. That you're constantly drawing us to yourself, that you're constantly touching us, you're constantly moving for our good. I pray, Lord, that we don't need patience, we need trust. I pray that we trust you with your will for our lives. I pray that we trust you with every second of it, God. I pray, Lord, that as we as we present every need we have to you with thanksgiving, Lord, that the peace that passes all understanding would guard our hearts and minds. I pray that there'd be a peace that comes over us because we can trust you. We pray that we win those battles in our minds, that we'd win it today, Lord. Lord, the fear and anxiety that comes with not knowing if you're gonna be for us, I pray that you'd remove every single, you are for us, period. that we'd win that today. That when you show up, it's perfect. That your time is perfect. That your will is perfect and we can trust you. We thank you for it, God. Help us to do that this week. Let this week be marked by trust, God, and not worry. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church. Give him honor and praise this morning. He's good. Amen.